all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. morning and thanks for tuning in to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today we're going to be talking about back and neck pain. I know that that's one of the most common things that people come to see me about and so I bet you know or love someone who has back or neck pain. If you do, we're here to help you today. Our number is one 877 MPB ring. It's one 672 7464 You can always email us at fit at mpbonline.org or you can go over to Facebook to Healthy Habits with Josie and you can drop me a message there and we are happy to answer that. And we've had several questions come in by Facebook this morning already. But I want to take this time to introduce my guest. I have Dr. Josh Farley. He is a physical therapist and is the district operations leader for results physiotherapy in Jackson. And we are very, very glad to have him here um, here today to help help me tackle these questions about back and neck pain. Uh, I know you probably see it a ton, Josh, correct? I see it absolutely every <laughs> single day. Yes, every absolutely. Day. And and for good reason. You know, it's very, very common. And it's also a very common reason for people to miss work or to have limitations at work. Because when your back and your neck hurt, it it's hard to to do things. You know, it's um it's one of those things that doesn't show on the outside that much, but really can impact um, pro- thing. I have a lot of neck pain and you don't realize how much you n- use your neck muscles until yeah. one of them doesn't feel well. And then right. <laughs> you realize how much absolutely. your neck muscles do. Yeah. So um, I absolutely adore physical therapists. Um, I work very closely with physical therapists, but I think that some people may be a little bit just not really confused, but they only see a a physical therapist maybe when they've hurt themselves or injured themselves. Tell me a little bit about kind of what a physical therapist is, how you get to be one, um, and what kind of the most common misconception about physical therapy is. Yeah, and Dr. Bidwell, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, The, um, uh, you know, to to be a physical therapist, uh, most every program in the country now is a doctoral program. Um, you know, you go get your undergrad degree and, you know, the funny thing is, is there isn't really a pre-physical therapy degree. A lot of people come out of kinesiology. Some people, we had somebody who came out of uh, accounting, uh, actually had an accounting degree. 
Um, and uh, so there's a really kind of a broad pathway to get to PT school. Um, after you get into PT school, it is a three-year doctoral program. It is, um, uh, you have, I think, there's a minimum number of clinical hours that you have to do. Uh, there are some observation hours that you have to do beforehand. Um, and generally, most programs are, um, uh, you take the uh, GRE or whatever that component is. It's been a while since I've done it. So, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but taking that exam and then, um, uh, and then you usually have an interview. Uh, once you graduate, you graduate with a clinical doctorate. Um, there we go. Yeah, so um, one of the, probably the biggest misconception about physical therapists uh, that I, I in, in my opinion, um, is that, um, and I'll tell you why, is because even my mother told me uh, she was surprised when she went to a <laughs> physical therapist. Um, uh, but the fact of how much time we put in on our initial evaluation to figure out exactly what is going on um, we don't technically diagnose. We're not medical providers with diagnoses, but we do offer PT diagnosis, which is more of a functional impairment-based diagnosis to where we're looking at what exactly is driving the issue at hand. Um, and we spend quite a bit of time uh, delving into that. And uh, I think it's a little bit surprising. Sometimes people feel like, uh, I've heard it several times, oh, well, you know, the, the doctor sent you a prescription. Aren't you just going to basically start your treatment because he's told you what's wrong. And they're just two very different um, types of diagnoses that we're working from. So while he's, we're getting a diagnosis, sometimes it's just low back pain. Yeah. And evaluate, so, and treat, right? evaluate, that, and evaluate and treat, right? Evaluate and treat. So to me, that's kind of the biggest misconception that patients are, are really pretty surprised about is how much time we put into um, actually trying to delve into what, what the root of the problem is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've had my fair share of physical therapy because apparently I'm a klutz and I just like to in <laughs> just like to injure myself. I don't yeah. know what that is. You're but, called a frequent flyer. Yes, yes. <laughs> Even though I really try not to be, but you know, right. I really I really uh you know I don't mean to be, but you know, I wind up in PT. And the first evaluation I had was for an ankle injury and it really was so comprehensive, you know, and I'm probably a, a PT's worst nightmare. Cause I ask 9 million questions. I'm like, what, what you doing that for? Why, those why are we my, doing it? Those, yeah. <laughs> those are my, those are my favorites. Those are my favorites. You have to you know, understand what's going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm curious by nature yeah. and I love the human body and learning about how it works. And so, because there are tests that you put guys, you know, put people through yep. and do different kinds of things. And it's not kind of readily apparent how that would fit in with whatever body part we're working right. on. You know, the, the, right. the first time um, my therapist handed me, actually, she put something on the ground and she told me to stand on one leg and bend over and pick it up. And I was like, what's that going to do? You know, <laughs> and I fell over when I did right. it. I was like, well, there right. you go. That that's right. what it that's what it was going to do, you know. And so uh, PT is a very humbling experience. Um, you think you're in much better shape than you are when you uh, when you start some of these uh, kind of things. But uh, I, you know, I love it. It it was not what I would call fun always. No. But um, stuck with the process. Yeah. Trusted my therapist um, and what she had me doing. And got me back to got me back to fighting shape, I, I guess, um, is what we would say <laughs> say there, um, in terms of being able to return to to activity. So low back pain, 
um, is one of the most common reasons for people to seek uh, medical care in a primary care setting. Um, what are some of the kind of predisposing factors that make us so prone to back issues? So, you know, that's kind of a very interesting question. So there, you know, there's a lot of things that, that we used to think and pointed evidence towards uh, that we are kind of finding out that's not necessarily true. Um, uh, as far as predisposing uh, factors, they're, they're really, scientifically, there aren't a lot. Um, they're, they're finding out more, uh, more and more that, it, you know, generally healthy is very important, being a generally healthy and active person, um, uh, being, uh, you know, not being overweight. Um, depression plays a large part into um, uh, low back pain as well. Um, but other than that, they did a study. I said uh, there, there were a bunch of studies done, whether it was back schools helped, uh, you know, traditional core strengthening, um, uh, you know, back braces, all these things. And to see, hey, was there a difference in those people getting hurt versus others? And the answer was no. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a very complex uh complex thing uh and where we don't quite fully understand the all of the risk factors that will drive it so you know it's just generally be healthy as you possibly can and that's probably about the best thing you can do Mm -hmm. so is there so i'm a nurse right Mm -hmm. and nurses have a very high uh, rate of back injuries and back pain, right? So if we're in a profession, maybe where we do a lot of lifting, bending, twisting, all of those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. are there ways that we can help ourselves out and not hurt ourselves? Well, I think one of the issues that, that we run into is when you become a nurse and you get on the floor, even as you're a, as if you're a student, uh, you're you're seeing some patients, but then it, you go from basically zero to a hundred, um, yeah. and you know just like any other thing, repet- repetition and training uh, is uh, very very important. Um, so you know I think one of the things that we do functional training is it would be really important. Um, understanding that you have to um, measure your load in the beginning and work your way up is is very important as well. That I mean doing is going to get you better at doing. If you want to be a better swimmer, you have to swim. But that doesn't mean you're going to swim the English Channel the first time you try. So yeah. I think just kind of building building up into that is very, uh, very, very important. Um, yeah. And I don't think we do enough of that. And, you know, what, what I learned by being stubborn is just because maybe something doesn't hurt when you do it doesn't necessarily mean it's not putting strain on things. Right, right. You know, I started out um, in nursing school when I was 19. And so I was a nurse when I was, you know, in my very early 20s. And nothing hurt when when you're right. 21, Absolutely. you know. And yeah. so, you know, you're like, oh, I can pick that up or I can move that person or, yeah, I can do that, you know, or... I'm really tall as well. And so a lot of the people I worked with are are smaller than me. And so we always teach, you know, kind of raise the hospital bed to the appropriate working height so that you're not bent over. Right. Well, my my appropriate working height and my colleagues' appropriate working height was not necessarily the same thing. 
And so I was kind of hunched over doing a lot of things and it didn't hurt then. But after what, 16 years of this, you know, I've got some back strain from, from doing those kinds of things. So even if it doesn't hurt you to start with, be really intentional with doing things with the correct form and the correct way to prevent these things from, from happening. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Today, you're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at UMMC. And joining me today, I have Josh Farley, who is a physical therapist, and we are tackling the all-important content related to back and neck pain. You can give us a call if you have a question about really any kind of musculoskeletal pain, but in particular back and neck, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 You can hop over to Facebook and join me there at Healthy Habits with Josie, and we're happy to take your questions that way. And we've had several come in this morning. Um, the first says, I have been having really bad pain in my upper central back, right between my shoulder blades. Is there any way to relieve this? So what you got for us? So, you know, the, the, the central part of that back between the shoulder blades, that thoracic spine, um, is, uh, is a very interesting part of the back. Um, Mobility-wise, there's not tons of mobility, um, but there's a lot of connections there. Um, so the thoracic spine really is kind of the 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 ground, uh, the pillar between the low back and the and the neck. Um, the ribs attach to every single thoracic vertebra. Um, so you know there's lots of uh, muscles that go between the ribs that can get tight and irritated. Um, you know, you use your shoulder blades, uh, your shoulders quite a bit as well. Those, and your shoulders are actually attached to your thoracic spine, generally just through musculature as well. So there's a lot of strain, a lot of demand put on that thoracic spine. Um, one of the biggest things that I see, um, with thoracic spine is, is more postural kind of related. It's not that, you know, bad posture is doing this. It's a prolonged posture and lack of movement. Um, normally we see lack of movement bending backwards in the thoracic spine. Uh, generally people have a more rounded posture in their shoulders, especially in our tech, uh, tech days of now, especially everybody with Zoom calls and being on the computer. Um, and what I generally find to be uh, true is a, a lack of mobility 
in into leaning backwards in the thoracic spine. Um, that's usually a big a big uh, issue that we treat quite a bit. Um, uh, generally, after when I see p- patients with thoracic spine issues, generally um, they do pretty well. If it's just a mechanical dysfunction, uh, just maybe a little bit of lack of movement, um, you know, uh, it doesn't take very long to cure that. Uh, the thoracic spine can actually have things coming from the uh, cervical spine as well. Uh, you get some referred pain, uh, maybe some lack of movement in the upper cervical spine or at the, right at the base where you get a lot of movement of the, where the thoracic spine and the, and the cervical spine join. Um, so really, it, it it would take a look at the three different places uh, to really kind of get a good comprehensive picture. It's something that's usually pretty benign. Uh, and I mean, I, a physical therapist should be able to look at you pretty quickly and see what's, what's going on. Uh, but generally those patients do pretty well, pretty quick. Yeah. So, um, I agree. I usually, when I see people with kind of mid back pain, right. um, it's from kind of hunching, right. um, being at a computer. I mean, even myself, you know, when I, um, have a, a long, kind of at my desk day and I do a lot of typing and a lot of that kind of stuff, it feels very tight and very tense. And when I finally sit up, it kind of almost burns in that area because those muscles have been, been stretched. is, Is there a way that you, is there a stretch or anything that you can do while you're sitting at a computer? Yeah. Getting up and moving number one is, is, is primary. Um, if they've got, you know, if you've got an issue with your, uh, to where you just have lack of movement going back there or you're stretching, uh, getting stretched out kind of, uh, I would, I generally get my patients to sit in a chair with a back, um, put their hands behind their heads, like kind of like they're being, <laughs> being frisked, uh, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, leaning back over the chair, um, just as far as they can go, go, I would not do it in a reclining back chair. Um, make sure it's a chair so that you is, don't fall over. You, right. Don't need anybody who ended up with a head injury. Uh, mm-hmm. We uh, uh, but just do a fixed back chair. And those generally are really uh, a, a very simple and good way to get moving. Fantastic. All right. We've got a couple callers. So I'm going to go to Drew in Cahoma County. Good morning, Drew. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, not not too shabby, not too shabby. Uh, cold. Uh, well, how can we help? Well, yeah. Um, I um, okay. I I don't have a history of back trouble until just recently. Um, mm-hmm. I went and did some Thanksgiving travel, um, and I had to maneuver through airports with my very heavy suitcase, my very heavy backpack, and my two-year-old. So anyway. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, I had to do some bending and the, you know, the weight with that and lifting. Anyway, uh, just really caused some havoc in the next couple of days after I got home with lower, lower back pain, like um, uh, severe lower back pain. And I've really taken measure to, you know, do squatting instead of bending and do, do a lot of yoga. But, um, and that, that has alleviated, I'd say, 75% of the problem, but I'm still getting Fantastic. twinges, you know, all the time. Is what I'm doing going to resolve it, or do I need to take other measures? Hey, Drew, thanks for calling, man. Hey, the, the biggest thing is congrats on moving through it, okay? That's, 
that's like one of the biggest hurdles right there is, you know, not stopping. So you've done 90% of the work here. Um, you're, I don't, I mean, I think eventually it, it should where, you know, where you kind of run into things and where we can specifically help with low back pain is, you know, what you're doing is you're doing the heavy lifting, right? So, so what, we, what I would focus my time on with you, and I, I think it may be worth, especially it's persistent seeing a PT, uh, you can get, you know, when you get these irritation or this strain or kind of a irritated muscle or irritated, uh, soft tissue, they get, uh, the muscles can get these trigger points in them and they're basically like mini spasms, right? Um, and they're very painful. Um, uh, and, but what they do is they don't allow the muscle to stretch. They don't allow the muscle to fire as well as it should. Um, so you're working kind of with one arm, with one arm behind your back, so to speak. Um, so sometimes alleviating those trigger points and those muscles and then working through like you're doing, uh, sometimes that can be the, 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 a very meaningful and helpful thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, from a, uh, from the, the kind of medical provider side of it, you know, I didn't hear anything that were like red flags that, you know, made me go, Oh, we got to get an image or, you know, anything like that. Right. There was no like specific mechanism of injury. Yeah. We didn't have an accident. You didn't fall. You didn't hear anything pop, you know, any of those kinds of things. Didn't hear anything about numbness or tingling, anything like that, um, or weakness in, you know, a leg or anything. And I didn't hear anything about, you know, loss of, of bowel or bladder control or those kinds of things. Those are all like the red flags right. for me when right. somebody's in the office that goes, oh, I've got to I've got to take a, a peep and see what's what's going on in that back from, right. a, from a from a picture standpoint, because right. those are nerve impingement symptoms or I'm worried about, you know, a fracture of, right. you know, one of those bones on the side of, of the spine um, or compression of actual parts of the of the spinal cord there. And I didn't hear any of those. Um, what was encouraging that I heard was that the pain is getting better. Right. And right. so that that's promising. Now we're about, what, three weeks out from from Thanksgiving. So it's, you know, it's persistent pain that you're having there. So it may warrant a consultation to get a mm -hmm. referral for some PT right. to get that, get that looked at and worked on. Um, because just like Josh mentioned, these trigger points that are in there, they're like little balled up knots uh, of muscle tissue. And they really can be quite painful and quite limiting. And a lot of times we think it's a back issue and it's really not necessarily a spine issue. It's those, trigger points in the muscles there. Right. So, right. you know, really, I agree with, with everything that Josh said, you know, you're doing, you're doing the right things by continuing to move and stretch and do these kinds of things, but you may need some assistance kind of getting over this kind of little lasting hump uh, of tension that you have in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much for that call. We have another caller on the line. We're going to go to Shelton in Oxford. Good morning. Hey, good morning. So How can morning. we help 55, you? I'm 55 years old. I've never had any back issues. And in March, um, I had some major tingling in my uh, right leg and severe pain. So, of course, with COVID, it was very difficult to get in. I finally got in. I had an MRI, and I apparently was born with spinal stenosis. Um, the they're saying the only thing eventually I'm going to have to have surgery 
I've had two epidurals. I've lost 65 pounds, but is there any way to avoid surgery with having spinal stenosis? So, you know, yeah, spinal stenosis, there's, the stenosis is it's just a compression of the, of the nerve roots coming out of the spine, okay? Um, like idiopathic, meaning just bony growth spinal stenosis is generally, from a PT standpoint, one of the harder things that we have to kind of treat. Um, because as if there is a physical impingement on those nerve roots, it can be... Um, uh, it, it's, we don't have just super great outcomes. Now, there are other things that do occur at the spine, uh, whether it's a muscular uh, imbalance, um, you know, an irritation in some of those smaller muscles. You have to understand there's muscles that run in between each vertebra and there's numerous layers and there's lots of moving parts that have to work together. Um, and that's what makes it so complex. But Sometimes what can happen with you get trigger points or you get and a muscle that just gets turned on and it just won't let go, um, then that can cause some, some compression. It can cause some irritation. And while it may not be, um, you know, uh, the absolute driver of what you have, it can be making things worse. So, I mean, I think even with stenosis, I've had some patients that um, – uh, we have had some success with um, giving them even sometimes a couple of years of, of uh, without surgery. Um, and, you know, some we've had just really good success with. So, I mean, I think, you know, the big thing is don't give up hope. Um, you know, I think that you uh, if you get some uh, PT help, it would be beneficial just even from, hey, look, you know, one of our jobs is to, to refer out as well. If somebody comes into our, our office and we're like, I'm not going to be able to help you. That's our responsibility at that point to, to just kind of give you that best shot of information. But, uh, you know, that way you can make your most informed decision. Yeah. And, you know, while we would always love to be able to not have spine surgery on someone. Right. PT still goes kind of hand in hand with those kinds of things. And I really love. Um, even my patients who are going to be surgical candidates, getting them into PT before surgery so that we can learn how to rehab that area after it's operated on. Because once you have the operation, you may not feel super great, right? I mean, you're going to be sore and have some issues. And so trying to learn a new skill when you also don't feel great, you know, can be a barrier. So I kind of like prehabilitation. So, you know, getting in there and getting, getting it, um, kind of trained up before the surgery can be helpful. And, you know, really the decision on when something is surgical or not, in the case of stenosis, is the level, you know, where in the spine it is and how significant the stenosis is. And is it because of kind of malalignment of the spine that's causing some pressing on it, which is often, you know, amenable to to PT treatment to strengthen core muscles and that kind of thing? Or is it actual bony growth into the the canal, which may have to, I mean, that's probably going to have to be surgically um, fixed there. So I think if you have to progress to surgery, it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. Um, that's just the best course of treatment there. Um, but a PT should kind of be on your treatment team, um, as well. Absolutely. 
My my, uh, my father actually, my father actually did the spinal stenosis surgery and, and mm-hmm. he's actually doing really well. We did everything we could before, so yeah, but, um, there's hope for it. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell. Joining me today is Josh Farley, and we are answering questions about back pain today. Um, in particular, neck and back, but really anywhere along that spine, we're happy to take some questions about today. Um, and we've had some great callers so far and some great questions that have come in by Facebook. You can always drop your question there. It's Healthy Habits with Josie. You can email us, fit at mpbonline.org. Or you can give us a call, 1-877-MPB-RING. All right, had a question that came in about standing desks. And so if you're not familiar with standing desks, it's kind of a like a platform that sits on top of your regular desk. And it will hydraulically lift up and allow you to stand and still work at your keyboard or they'll they'll then lower back down so that you can use it as a you know traditional desk and so the question says that a lot of their coworkers have standing desks should they you know like hop on hop on the train and get one too or is it just a gimmick and so i've got some some thoughts on it do you have any particular thoughts on that well, I mean, I think that um, to me, I, I've never used one. I, I don't think they're harmful. I, 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 you know, and I think movement from, you know, one of the things that prolonged positioning, whether it's driving, standing, sitting, um, you know, laying down, um, you know, all prolonged positions can be uh, detrimental in a lot of ways. You know, our, a lot of the tissues in our body get fed through actually osmotic pressure through actually, you know, some sort of compressive uh, pressure, especially the discs in your back. We know they feed by movement. Um, so, you know, uh, being stationary is not good. So, I mean, I think if it if it makes you feel good and you feel good through the day, it's definitely not harmful, uh, you know, and just a matter of probably a financial matter at that point. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm one of those people that cave to the pressure. So I work in a department of preventive medicine. And so everybody on the hallway had a standing desk and they said, do you want one? I was like, why not? So I got one. And so I both love it and don't love it. 
Um, I, when I work at the computer for a, a long period of time, if I'm, you know, if I'm working on a, an article or, you know, something like that, or even with telehealth these days, um, you know, spending a lot of time at the computer, I do tend to roll my shoulders and hunch and have that back pain that we, that upper to middle back pain that we talked about before. And you can absolutely do those stretches like we talked about, but using the standing desk, I found helpful when I feel that tension kind of starting to creep in my shoulder in between my shoulders because I automatically change my posture when I, when right. I stand, right. I tend to, you know, push my shoulders back a little bit more and, and realign the spine and the more correct uh, curvature that it should go. So I like it for that, but then I get tired of standing and Standing for hours and hours and hours is not also not a, a great thing, great. you know, um, one, it's going to put, you know, extra pressure on your knees. If you've got knee issues, um, if you've got vascular issues, you know, you're going to call some, some pooling and, you know, things in, in your feet. I have a, a patient actually who got a standing desk and then called me because her feet were swollen. And I was like, well, cause you're standing on them all day long, <laughs> you know? So, you know, we talked about compression socks and, and those kinds of things to kind of help return some of that in there. So I like it, but I don't stand for super long periods of time. Usually, um, so I have an Apple watch, you know, it dings at you every hour and tells you to stand up for a minute or whatever. Sometimes that's super annoying and I want to throw it across <laughs> the room, but sometimes it's, it's helpful. And, um, so I usually stand up, you know, and I'll stand up for, you know, five or 10 minutes at my stand up desk. Um, and then, you know, then sit back down. And that just really highlights the kind of second point that, being sedentary and sitting for hours and hours and hours is a risk factor for heart disease. So, you know, whether you have a standing desk or not, getting up every hour and moving around for a few minutes is a great way not only to help, you know, muscle tension in your back, but also to help with heart health. Um, I did have someone who used a standing desk and they leaned against, they like propped their their thigh against the desk and actually wound up like bruising and Bru almost, yeah, I was like, oh. man, that's some leaning that you're doing <laughs> there against that. That's some <laughs> yeah. hardcore leaning, you, that's but, yeah. but um, you know, so there are, are pros and cons to either one of them, but the take home message is we need to be standing up um, and not sitting for hours and hours and hours um, kind of unrelieved there. All right. We've got a question about piriformis syndrome, okay? Yeah. So um, this question actually says, I went to the doctor because I thought I was having sciatica and I had pain in my, my butt cheek. And they mm -hmm. told me that I had piriformis syndrome. What's the mm -hmm. difference between sciatica and piriformis? So... Their piriformis is a muscle that runs from your sacrum from uh, right around your S, uh, SI joint to your hip. Um, and there's a lot of neurovascular structures that go through there, a lot of nerves and a lot of arteries. And the biggest one being the sciatic nerve. Um, so piriformis syndrome is when that piriformis is supposedly irritated or tight or, and it is causing a noxious stimulus to the sciatic nerve. So you can get radicular pain down through with 
pain going down your leg with piriformis syndrome due to irritation of the sciatic nerve. However, if you have an irritated piriformis, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have pain going down your leg. Um, a lot of the times when that happens, there's more of a hip mobility type of an issue. Um, you know, some, you know, neuromuscular gait mechanics, some gait mechanics that are kind of off, um, just some abnormal pressures and things like that. So they, they kind of tie into one another, but you can have sciatica, which is basically pain down the sciatic nerve pathway because of piriformis syndrome, but you can also have it for a lot of other reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And so anytime I have someone kind of complain of that, you know, depending on how long it's been going on, if there's a mechanism of injury, you know, anything like that, and what the physical exam looks like, we may wind up getting a picture, you know, of the back for that to see if there's, you know, something bigger going on. Or if I press on the SI joint, which you mentioned, that's the sacroiliac joint, mm. um, and it produces pain, then I'm a little less concerned about it being, you know, like a disc injury, so to speak. Right. Um, or if I press on uh, kind of the spots where the piriformis muscle runs and people jump up off the bed, then, you know, that gives me a little bit more, um, assurity that it's more of a muscular issue there and that we can do some PT, um, for that in the full interest of disclosure, I have piriformis syndrome and it mm -hmm. is no joke. Like no, it not. is horrible. And you mentioned kind of gait abnormalities from that. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of part of my reason. Like, um, when I was little, my feet kind of turned in Mm -hmm. And so I had to like wear little you know things to make my feet turn mm -hmm. back out the right way and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And, you know, still to this day, like when I run, my feet are not quite placed appropriately. Like they're just not quite lined up the way you would want them to be. And that kind of altered run pattern puts extra strain on my hips and, you know, causes mm -hmm. that, that pain. So I'm lucky to have a, a PT friend who comes and puts her elbow in my piriformis every, <laughs> every now and then. That's, a, that's, and... A, that's, a, that's a fun treatment. <laughs> uh, oh, it's not a fun treatment at all. And not yeah. one that you should have done when um, people can hear you. Cause you're gonna, right. you're gonna, not you're gonna you're gonna make an a noise a not cute noise, um, <laughs> but you know it really it really works there. And that kind of brings me to a, a second question. Uh, we see a lot of people you, buying foam rollers, yeah. what or using a tennis ball to kind of release yeah. some of these trigger points or pain points. Is that like a legitimate treatment strategy or is that hocus pocus? Um, I mean the the idea behind it to me is solid. Um, you know, we have some people that use those things, the Theracanes, and really basically all you're doing is you're giving um, uh, the same thing that I would do with my hands. The issue when we're treating ourselves, I'll be honest with you, as a therapist, I cannot treat myself. I've made the worst diagnoses of anything that's going on with me um, because we have our own biases. Plus, as we're trying to work through some work through some of those muscles, as a therapist, I'm not... I'm being constant and consistent with pressure. I'm being consistent with placement. Um, and when you're doing it to yourself, it's very difficult uh, to it hurts. get down. Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and a lot of the times, too, those nerves, they, they supply the muscle. But if you have an irritated spot, you can get pain away from the actual mm -hmm. trigger point. So it may hurt more. So it really kind of finding those things are sometimes more key. So it's not bad. 
I mean, unless you're bruising yourself, don't don't sit there and put it on there until you're killing yourself. But other than that, I mean, I've I've had more. I haven't had tons of success doing it to myself. Yeah, well, and I would say, you know, if you're going to do that, then get taught how to do right. it. Like really where yeah. you need to be placing that particular massage ball or right. foam roller or what, you know, what is, and make sure you're getting the right kind because there are different firmnesses of those right. kinds of things. So, you know, speaking to a physical therapist who has evaluated your problem and right. knows what needs to happen, how long you need to apply pressure for and all these different kinds of things is really like the right step instead of just Correct. ordering one and then YouTubing it. Like you're probably going to wind up with no. more pain than not. Our therapists use it in conjunction with a home exercise program sometimes, but I think you're absolutely spot on that we need to, you need to make sure because where you're hurting may not be the main issue that's driving the problem. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell. Here with me today is Josh Farley, and we are answering questions about back and neck pain. And we've got a couple callers on the line, so I'm going to hush and go over and talk with them. I'm going to talk with Adam, who's on the road. Good morning, Adam. Hello. Hello. How can we help you today? Uh, well, I am a big believer in physical therapy, and uh, the last time I went for physical therapy was actually for my low back, but um, I don't really need any help. I just want to say that, in my opinion, physical therapy is, for me, extremely important because it, it has changed my life at home. Because the therapy itself, um, it's only so good as what you learn from it to do at home. It is uh, not a cure. Absolutely. And I thank you for that. That's yeah. very, really, really important. Yeah. One, thanks for giving and, my, giving us, P, giving the PTs a shout out. And yeah. two, you know, um, you do have to, to do the work at home as, as yeah. well, you know, not just the once or twice a week that you're at PT. So thank you so much yeah. for that call and stay safe on the road. All right. We're going to go to Kim in Gulfport. Good morning, Kim. Hi. Hi. How can we help you? Hi. Um, yes, I'm calling because I have a, my 17-year-old daughter um, has uh, winged scapulas, on, started on one, and now is both. 
and there's not we've had been to a lot of specialists to try to determine what that might be from. And um she had an EMG that indicated I think we lost Are you there? You're kinda of cutting in and out. I heard winged scapula and that's about about all I heard. Okay. So she has winged scapula. She started with her right side and now she has one in her left side. Gotcha. And all of the tests we have done, the only thing that we have anything that indicates anything is that it's possibly coming from her neck, from an EMG that she did. Um, that she had had a neck injury when she fell, mm. fell on the, down the stairs um, about two years ago, and that was prior to this happening. So I was just wondering if y'all have any insight into that. Yeah, absolutely. Have, have you had therapy? Has she done any type of therapy? She was doing therapy for both of those, for neck and her uh, wing scapula. In fact, the therapist found the second one. Um, that that second one was getting like that. And it was helpful in the sense of um, kind of pain, mm -hmm. you know, the neck work and stuff like that, but they were, had no success with the, the scapula. Obviously, the other one came up. So um, yeah. they taped, and they she has a couple of braces that she wears sometimes, you know, during the day. Um, it's just very frustrating because she's only 17 and she's having mm. This yeah. kind of strange, yeah. well, painful injury. Yeah, well, I, you know, I hate that for her. You know, the the issue is with winging scapula is is really uh, primarily due to one muscle that is actually under the the scapula, mm -hmm. and it runs. Uh, it's called the serratus anterior, and it basically runs from your rib cage to the to the um, basically the middle part of your scapula on your back, um, and mm -hmm. that is the you know the that's the muscle that generally holds it on that that wall, the, your your wall, of your uh, thoracic uh, spine. So, generally, the weakness is there. Now, the the issue so in her case, is they have if determined it's, that is not it. They've determined that's that's what they thought. That's right. not Definitely it. not. Hmm. Yeah, because she'd had a very extensive um, EMG at Tulane Medicine, Tulane Sports uh -huh. Medicine. And they determined that that was not where her problem was coming so from. So she didn't have weakness or lack of conduction in the serratus muscle from right. a nerve standpoint. Right. Hmm. Right. Hmm. So, it, you know, that, the that other, would be you know, a little more well, easy to treat, they seem to think. Um, yeah. Well, but yeah. But if she's had a neck injury, the, the challenge, though, is in uh, the challenge, it, depending on what level the neck injury was and how significant the neck injury was. Um, basically what can happen, um, is you get, especially if she's got an altered EMG, I mean, I, it's kind of be going out on a limb to kind of really kind of make a big, big leap here. But sometimes the nerve conduction, um, can, while the muscle can be strong, the ability to control the muscle is, is altered. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's a very, it seems like a challenging thing. I, you know, I would hate to throw a bunch of information and, and to give you, right. oh, no, no, uh, know. you know, a sense of, but I, I, I would, it would be very interesting. I just personally, I would be very interesting to take a look at and kind of see, um, cause there's lots of things that could go into it, whether it's the front of the shoulder, whether it's, you know, mm -hmm. rotator cuff issues as well, whether it's, you know, but it is, you know, some thoracic spine mobility. Um, right. you know, there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of different things that, like I said, connect, go in, connect into there and the, 
it, it's, you know, I hate she's having to go through that. And I'm, um, I wish I could give her some more, you know, strong information yeah. um, without well, seeing initially, it. Yeah. Initially, we looked at her shoulders because, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they thought that was the issue and, you know, maybe rotator cuff, whatever, and all that. That's, we were, you know, anyway. So, yeah, I'd be, I would love for you to look at it. I have a copy of her um, EMG from uh, Tulane. Because yeah, I, I feel like we're kind of, um, they kind of just said, oh, it's your neck. Please go to a neurologist. And then we went, she's been going to a neurologist anyway, because also she gets headaches and they're not sure if that's related. Uh, and um, and yeah. the neurologist said, well, she needs a neuromuscular doctor, which we then went to one. And she said, well, I can't do anything about this. I'm like, okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I wish that we did have more that we, you know, we could do over the phone. We can't. And we, dang, we're just out of time today as well. Kim, if you'll send me an email, fit at mpbonline.org, I'll put you in contact with, with Josh and we'll see if we can get you some more information. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting platform.